Hey there, welcome to Football with Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining me. Our interview guest today is Eduardo Biscayart, the terrific broadcaster who does work for Telemundo. Before we get going, you can check out my thoughts on Chelsea firing Thomas Tuchel and the impact on Christian Pulisic and the squad moving forward at grantwall.com. Sign up free or paid. I have big plans to cover men's and women's World Cups in the next 12 months and everything in between. That's grantwall.com. Now, here's my interview with Eduardo Biscayar. Our guest now is a good friend who's one of the leading soccer broadcasters in the United States. Miami-based Eduardo Biscayart calls Premier League games and will be doing the World Cup for Telemundo. He also hosts the terrific podcast Football Infinito with Jaime Macias. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at Dombisca. Eduardo, it's great to talk to you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Grant. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, September 6th, uh, first day of Champions League group stage. So as always, much going on in the soccer world. I want to start because we have a, a lot of things we can talk about here, but I do know you've done multiple Leeds United games so far this season on Telemundo. And there's a lot of interest from U.S. fans in Leeds, obviously, because of Jesse Marsh, the American coach, uh, American players, Tyler Adams, Brendan Aronson. What's your sense of Leeds United and the Americans there so far? Well, I, I think that the team has improved. When, when Jesse took it, it was in critical condition because it was heading for relegation. Defensively, it was a disaster. It was one of the worst two uh, defenses in, in the league, at, even at the end when they escaped relegation, the second um, after Norwich City. And um, they have improved, I think, the balance of the game. And they have added some interesting players because uh, two of the most important players in the past seasons, Rafinha and uh, Calvin Phillips, have departed. So, and along with other ones, I have been, you know, difficult to replace like Alioski in the, you know, left side of the defense. And, uh, and also, you know, Bielsa. Bielsa was the man that I think uh, gave this club and this city in, 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 a, in a soccer way, in a football way, uh, the sense that they, they belonged again. So the American players have, I think, blended in very well. And Marsh, you know, the, I think the worst part that was or the most challenging one very well, which was just stabilize the team and keep it in, in, in Premier League. And now, you know, there are the, the challenges of, of like trying to be a middle table of the table uh, team, which is, 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 is hard in the, such a competitive league. You're from Argentina originally. How much have you followed Marcelo Bielsa in, in, in his career over the years? He's sort of this eccentric, legendary figure, including in Argentina, going back to Newell's Old Boys and his playing career. Um, what's your sense of, of sort of Bielsa's legacy and even what he might do next? Well, Bielsa is, I think, is, is a person who connects very well in the one-on-one -on -one or in the personal manner uh, emotionally. And um, I think that's the reason why the players give themselves completely to his cause, sometimes without questioning his tactics or his methods. And um, I think 
the best way to analyze his methods is is throughout the time and bielsa is a person that uh can obtain great results and then can undo that very quickly and for instance let's go to the most beyond leads or athletic club bilbao we go to argentina in in the build-up of the 2002 world cup argentina was probably the best team in the world into that qualifying and and heading into the world cup but then a couple of injuries and the team was not as fit as it was in qualifying in the middle of the season and it was a horrible collapse and and that's why bielsa does not have that sense the same sense or the same connection that he has with the player just to get the most out of him then just to realize that the player maybe is not as fit as it should be or like the defense is not as quick as it should be to play so forward and therefore that you know the team will might suffer and then you know that suffering might be that you need to make adjustments and the result is going to be bad and and that you know it happened to him many times and it will probably keep on happening i've never seen him to the contrary of the brilliance that he has i've never seen him you know being autocritical i i know his philosophy you know like about you know like you know like today when you're suffering because you're losing it's it's because you're going to win tomorrow but not realizing you know why did you you know, like why this is continuing to happening to me. Do you think he'll take up a, a prominent job again? Do you think he might come to North America at some point? I think I think he might. I think he's going to go for another one. I think Bielsa, without knowing him in depth, my father was a Newell's Old Boys um, fan and he followed Newell's in, in those days and, in, and probably days before him, you know, probably since 1950s and 60s. And so I know that philosophy of Newell's very well. And um, but I think Bielsa is one of those uh, sportsmen who are bad losers and like they don't <laughs> they don't like to lose like, you know, any, any good sportsman. And, and he's going to go back to, to to get another, you know, revenge. But what, what you what you question from the outside is, is, is he going to be able to make the adjustments? Because any coach will tell you, well, yeah, you know, this is what happened to me. Like, for instance, Ancelotti, Ancelotti was, you know, coming through periods of, of like not good results and uh and it seems like now he's a philosopher because he learned and and, and then you know the way that they call him like so Ancelotti has a right hand you know to you know like to be firm and the left one to be soft and you know you have to have the balance somehow I think when you're leading a group now that's really interesting um what is a typical work week like for you well uh we we have the weekend which is you know the thick part of 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 of, of what we do when the games happen and uh so after that on when i work on tv i used to have you know like champions league when i used to work for fox sports in mexico and that ended in 2021 so once that contract ended you know it was renewed through uh tnt sports in mexico and they didn't want to me to be a part of that which is it's one of the things that happen in this business and 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 in any aspect of life and which is totally fine and um so then it was just weekends and uh on sunday nights we would just record the podcast with with the action of the weekend which is not like you know like we don't go like play by play analyzing everything it's like just trying to see like an outlook of what happened and why it happened and what's what projection might have 
on what's coming up on the future. And then like uh, Monday, I try to start to get ready for the for the week. And this week of Champions League, we're going to do like uh, two things um, for Champions League preview uh, today and tomorrow space on Twitter, audio only. And then on Wednesday, we're going to record a recap of the first uh, match, the whole match day. And then getting ready for the weekend, watch the games, obviously, uh, keep up, you know, with the action and uh, and get ready for the weekend. The preparation for each game typically takes me like maybe like four or five hours to analyze the teams and to get the information and to read, basically, like you, reading, being up to date. We're not at the source. So it's like we have a tremendous handicap there. It's like it's not like with, you know, like any American sport. We, you can go to the field. You can go to the practice. You can have closer contact with the, with the, with the protagonists. And, and here we just see everything from, from afar. So that it, it's hard. I, I, I do think, I said this to you before we started recording, that getting a nickname from Luisa Marthapia is like, that's, you got to use that because that guy is, is the king of <laughs> nicknames when it comes to players and, and basically everyone. So I, I, I fully respect all of that and admire it. And if, if he's listening, I would love to get my own nickname, my friend. Um, <laughs> but... I, I want to ask you about your story. I, you know, I've always known you're from Argentina, but I was surprised recently to learn that you were a photographer back mm -hmm. in the day before you became a broadcaster. Could could you share a bit about your journey? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, my my uh, beginnings were in track and field. I, I love football, soccer, but uh, I guess you know, like my parents, my dad didn't want me to play. You know, like to even go to to a trial. Maybe I wasn't good enough anyway, but um, but when I was able to do something on my own, I was, it, it just turned 16. I went to a track and field practice and, uh, and you know, it, it, I, I, I was able to stick on to it. I think I was I showed like at least resilience or some talent. And and that's how, you know, I became an athlete. I was like had a certain uh, junior level, you know, OK. And um, I competed in one national championship under 20, and I won the regionals. Of I, I was I, I was a 1500 meter runner, and um, I was all right. I wasn't that you know you know like I wouldn't have been an Olympian surely. So, but then when I started at because I was always in love with sports. My father used to buy El Grafico and other magazines. He loved car racing as well. So it's like every day there was something to read. And and that connected me very deeply. And and with the resources that we had, we would go to the Formula One when it would hit Buenos Aires in the late 70s and sometimes to uh, football. But, you know, it was not like an every weekend uh, plan. Mostly, we would just go to the club where we belonged and to play sports and to learn. I, I played it. And um, when I was in track and field, I, I realized the, the hunger of, of telling a story, telling a story about something that wasn't known. Those athletes that, to me, were references, like nobody knew about them. And that's when I started, started write, uh, writing and doing uh, statistical work. And and then they said, you know, you're going to be more useful if you pick up the camera. You have a camera, right? You know, you take pictures. You like pictures. Yeah, 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 I do. And so that's – I developed that side in the meantime when I was still, you know, aspiring to be a, a journalist. I never quit journalism, but I picked up the camera. 
And while picking up the camera, I realized that there was another side. And, and, and I never, you know, my love for the camera is never ended. And that's why I still, when I can, I, I go to the field because I love being at the field to take pictures. And that took me to El Grafico and, uh, and that took me, you know, that took me to America. Yeah. Could you explain a little bit to our listeners what El Grafico was and what it represented in Argentina? Because for me, when I lived in Argentina for three months in 95, I visited El Grafico because for me, it had become this very meaningful uh, publication. Uh, how would you describe mm -hmm. what it was? Well, it, it was just like the publication where you worked in the United States. It was pretty much the same reference. In terms of, of, of I, I think it was inspired sort of like, you know, by the same principle by its founder, Constancio Vigil in 1919. Uh, and because it was the same, you know, the sports illustrated, right? Yeah. El Grafico is like the sports graphically. And that's what basically the, 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 the so it was the idea, of like, you're not going to be able to come up with the daily story, but you're going to be able to tell a story and you're going to be able to show it graphically. And, and that was the principle. And, you know, throughout the times, it did have probably the best uh, signatures in, 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 in sports and, and in journalism in general and the best images. So it was a great formation for me. It was, it was a great school of, of life and journalism. And, uh, and I think, it, I mean, I, it couldn't have been better. I was, I was like, I got there like, someone spotted me and they said you don't want to be a part of this i said what are you are you kidding me <laughs> i don't know how you got to sports illustrated but you know that that's the way it happened to me and i started like as a junior like little by little yeah no i got in as entry-level fact checker became a writer after a year i guess at sports illustrated mm -hmm. and and no well, it was the same thing for me i was a paparazzi at night <laughs> i was 21 and they say you you're gonna have, go to find you know to the restaurants and stuff and spot you know spot people famous people like you know whatever like, and do it <laughs> and bring the the pictures in focus and 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 you know with good lighting and so go figure it out nice and and how would you make the transition to to broadcasting at what point did that take place well i mean i had never like uh left the journalistic side and and i think being a photo reporter as like you never you know have cannot never lose your appetite for like where the news is because you have to reflect it it's like there's a picture there's a story behind a picture there's a story behind an image and sometimes the image is part of the story and sometimes it's totally the story so when i got to the united states when i got when i got married i got married to an american woman you know like and we had a son and uh, we lived in Atlanta for uh, almost two and a half years. And, you know, like she, uh, she heard because she had worked at uh, Turner that there was a, they needed a writer at uh, the CNN Spanish uh, broadcast news. And so I just went the day of the verdict of OJ Simpson. <laughs> I walked in. It was total commotion there. And, and I remember that. And, uh, and I spent like probably like six hours writing and translating and they said okay can you come back tomorrow i said well i actually don't have my work permit yet and i said okay well then come back when you have it <laughs> <laughs> i said i said well maybe i, I you know, the arrogance of being 20 something you know, i was like well you know like i would like to just you know like there's the olympics coming up next year and i already told you the connection i had with with an olympic sport 
and I think, you know, I might be able to get a job there. I would like to. And, and it's like, well, the Olympics are over next year, right? He's like, okay, then come back then, but stay in touch. And that's how they taught me lots of things that I didn't know because I didn't belong to the, to the TV side or even the radio side. And, uh, Actually, it was for me. It was like masters on on journalism, the the one that I uh, experienced there. And then I complemented to what I did at uh, ESPN. And at ESPN, one day they say, you know, like we would like you to do a trial for commenting a game. And so let's see if you can handle that. And I, and I handled it apparently pretty well. So then I'm here with you. <laughs> That's an amazing transition because I I don't view the skills of photography and, and action photography and sports as the same as, as having a, a lot of overlap, maybe some, but not that much between broadcasting or writing for that matter. Like you're a pretty talented guy, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, I, I always loved the game and I always loved to, when I would go to, my brother was a, is a River Plate fan and we would go to the stadium and you've been to Boca River, Independiente, uh, uh ferrocarril west in those days and in certain stadiums you could uh learn different things and i think like in in, in boca and racing you just know about the the you know like being a player that has a lot of character and 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 and, and can deliver something beyond the game and independiente river and Newells as well like it's like you would observe the game and learn from the game and the movements and you would see great players and they would like actually encourage to do something else. And they would tell you about Di Stefano and they would tell you about La Bruna and they would tell you about Arsenorico, Boccini, whatever. And and so that was, a, you know, like for me reading El Grafico and, and seeing it there and, and, and listening to the radio, I was like, I would go to, with the radio to the stadium. It was like, I was like obsessed with that. My family can 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 tell you that. So it's like it was not like I I think I was able to canalize whatever opportunity came to me and grab it and 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 try it and and that was the key and 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 and, and, and but I always did it with passion and, and you know trying to be as humble as possible. Say like, I need to learn you know this line of work because I'm not I'm not perfect for it. I I need to to make myself better and that's what I did at every opportunity that I had. Did you have any major? Did you have any major influences among broadcasters? Just from observing, you know, like I liked there was um, in the seventies, you know, like uh, there was this radio host that created a style in in radio. It was picked up from others previously. Jose Maria Munoz, Munoz had the rhythm of the information, and and then Victor Hugo Morales gave it a different twist. You know, it was deeper. It was more poetical. It was it, there was something else to to that, and the radio was everything then because it's like you just ha you would acquire unless you went to the stadium, you would acquire the possibility of seeing the game without seeing it, and and the whole match day and the whole everything that was happening, and it, I think it was simpler on that day. I mean, all the teams played four three three, and exceptionally they play a four four two. Bilardo made another thing. It's like it was interesting when hearing that. It's like you would want to see it on 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 the stadium, like being able to. And so for me, it was like beyond trying to see like you know who scored on or, or whatever. And I, say, I would go to observe the game, and 
And then the the one announcer that I picked up from the TV side the most was uh, Enrique Macaya Marquez, mm -hmm. because he would have the balance to be able to inform you without you know being overpowerful and 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 describing tactics without looking like I'm an expert, but I know I try to know a lot, and so that balance and and without being extremely passional. It's like, yeah, you have to show passion because you have to be emotional. However, it's like, you know, like being able to just handle that without, you know, falling apart later on. I, I think that that was very appealing to me. Have you ever worked in, in English? Have you wanted to? Uh, occasionally, but I, I never I never was given that opportunity and probably I never... I never, you know, went after it. I have the nerve to to hope to work in Spanish a little more often at some point. But as you know from my appearance on your podcast, I've got some work to do. Uh, <laughs> we all have work to do. So like, don't be the skirt. I have work to do. So it's like, come on. A um, couple more questions for you. Really appreciate you taking the time. Um, Argentina at this World Cup. It seems like as the Copa America champion it feels like there's a little more support for Messi now. And now I hear people talking about this could be Messi's World Cup to potentially have a chance to win. What do you think? Well, I think it's not so easy to win a World Cup. I mean, people think that it's simple and that it's like, a, like we're talking about the Bielsa days. And um, it was like, oh, Argentina is going to make it very easily, and and they, you know, they they could not advance from the group stage. So, <clears throat> and the players were there, you know, like you are uh, nostalgic as I am, and like you know, Verón, Simeone, Batistuta, still like you know, being at, not as at his prime, but still being high, or you know, Gustavo López or Claudio López, Sorin, Sanetti. And it was a very good team. I mean, it, it went through the qualifying you know, as there was there were no rivals except for Brazil at Brazil. And um, in this case, Argentina goes undefeated again through the qualification. They win the Copa America, which they hadn't done since 1993. However, the World Cup is very tricky, and uh, and we know that. Maybe right now we're seeing Mexico like without you know giving any type of solid performance and maybe they will have they will have the quinto partido the fifth game who knows <laughs> because it, in football it, it may happen that way because i think a lot is is how you arrive it's this is like a tennis uh, major it's like how you arrive to those two weeks in this case there are four weeks and how, how is your mental you know strength and approach to 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 what you're going to see you got to be very humble. You can never be, and you have to be physically and, and technically at your peak. You cannot be like seven out of 10. Maybe you can have a player who's seven out of 10, and maybe you can play him 30 minutes in each game very, very precisely because you have, you're going to have a 26 man roster. How the mental approach has to be top from the coach and from the players. The moment, I think Alfio Vasile, that you know from those days, used to say, like, when we go to a World Cup thinking that we're gonna we're going to win it, then nothing good is gonna happen. And the, the, I think the best um, 
example that we have is what happened in 86. Bilardo and the players said, like, when we went to Ezeiza, which is the airport, and there was nobody around, like, we left, like, you know, like, please get out of here, like, you know, <laughs> and, and don't come back. And, <laughs> and then they won the World Cup. And, you know, they had Maradona and they had a great team now that we see it from distance. But I think that attitude that we're going to have to fight really hard, it's very important. Just as a last question, I, I like asking people this. If you have any advice for young people who want to do what you do, uh, what would that advice be? I think, um, never, you know, never give up. I never just take the first, uh, I guess, the first opinion or get discouraged by the first uh, encounter that you may have. Like they said, oh, they want to give you the idea that you're not as good as you know boy girl they're not you're not as good as 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 people you know like they label you and because there are lots of labels in this society they have been you know you know i'm 52 now and then back in the day like probably in argentina may a lot of people thought like what is this guy doing on tv he's like he was never on tv i mean what what the hell but um but it's just like you know like, I, I always said why not and why would i have to you know like wonder later like why didn't i do it and so just go for it and be humble to to observe and to learn and to have like if you have somebody that you admire you know like if you can speak try to try to get in touch with that person today with with you know with uh, social networks and, and social media it's like it's it's a lot easier and then don't use that to provoke or to say something stupid like you know like and try to see is like you know like you know have a humble approach because may, may a lot of people may you probably would be very receptive to somebody who wants to do what you have done what you are doing and um which is remarkable and it's always inspiring there's always somebody out there i always tell the the the, the, the younger people it's like even when you are broadcasting a game that seems that will have no audience you will never know who's listening to you. And, I, and that happened to me that, you know, it's like it, it's extremely uh, positive to see, like, when people notice something that, you know, like something that you wrote in, on a piece, something that you said, you know, like, why did people, because you are thinking about it. You are thinking that that makes a difference. When you are commenting on a game, you're thinking that what you're saying is original makes a difference. And when people see it and when people spot it, they say, you know, you have something beyond like talking about the game. And that is a great compliment because we're not just a game. We're just people alive. Like you like music, cinema, books, you are, you know, you read a lot. And then that makes a whole of a person. And, 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 and for me, the advice is like, complete yourself, read and whatever you like with a lot of passion, then just go for that and try to learn as much as you can and, and try to challenge yourself to learn as much as you can every day and, and be critical. Don't be so harsh. But Eduardo Biscayart calls Premier League games for Telemundo, where he will also be working the World Cup. He hosts the terrific podcast Football Infinito with Jaime Macias. Eduardo, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Grant. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Football with Grant Wall. I'd like to thank Eduardo Biscayart as well as producer Chris Whittingham. You can now sign up for a free or paid subscription to my newsletter at grantwall.com. The best way to support my work is by taking out a paid subscription. See you next time.